Good morning. No, I said good morning. All right. Welcome to Presbyterian Church of the Covenant. You guys should get extra credit. It's uh, the time changed. We lost an hour. I'm a little, I'm dragging a little, but I'm excited that you're here and I'm here and we get to worship the Lord. We gave the worship team, the band, uh, a much needed break. So we're going to be singing some hymns and hearing from the choir and glad you're here. Today is March. What's today's day? It's the 13th, just for the podcast listeners. We record this and upload it to the podcast in case. And um, what's, what's going on? I got a couple announcements. That's what it is. Um, first one is, next week is, according to the Presbyterian Church of the United States calendar, been deemed Fred Rogers Day. And we happen to have Gretchen with us, and she was... College roommates with Fred's sister, is that right? Uh, wife. Wife. So we got a personal connection. And Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers, anybody? Yeah. Okay, goodness. <laughs> right? He was a Presbyterian dude. And I think I'm going to wear a, one of those button down sweaters and change my shoes. Uh, Cornell, you with me? All right on, maybe. No, that's probably not. Um, what else? We got St. Patrick's Day is this Thursday. And it's kind of a mission of mine, because I did a little studying when I was at Fuller of Patrick. And he's considered by most of the church to be the second best missionary behind Paul the Apostle the church has ever seen. And he, he, he revolutionized how we spread the gospel. How he brought the gospel to Ireland was totally revolutionary and amazing. He, would say, he said, you know, I'm pretty good at talking. That's what Patrick said. And let's say, Joshua, you, you get at woodworking. Let's, I don't know if you are, but you, maybe you're a woodworker, you know. Uh, we got Steve. He, I know he is a woodworker, so he's a cabinetry guy. Uh, Sharon, we can have her baking. <laughs> we'll be all. And they're living in this village, and they say, hey, let's, the four of us, let's move outside another city and create our own village and build a wall and play kingdom of heaven here on earth. And so we get along, like we're just talking, and you, all of a sudden the people living in the area notice, why is, why is Joshua and Steve building all your stuff? Why is Sharon cooking all this amazing food for you? And then we eventually say, it's because we both serve the King Jesus, and we're playing kingdom of heaven. You want to do it? And he transformed that whole, and then he did it again. He, he Converts Rob, and he says, this guy, that guy can sing, and he's cool. We got Chuck. We got Chuck and Helen. Both of them love each other. We'll look at them and figure out how to be married forever. Uh, And they moved to another village and played kingdom of God again. Mixed up the players. Um, So it's not about wearing green and drinking a lot of beer. (laughs) It's about celebrating um, this amazing man of God that God used to not only transform Ireland, but transform me years later, you know. Um, I was approached by Kay uh, Coslin. Now she's married. Um, you know who I'm talking about? And she said, you know, I think we should fast as a community of God for my brother. And I said, 
that sounds like a good idea. So I'm going to fast on Thursday. Um, and I'm going to fast from food. Uh, but you can fast from all kinds of things. You can fast from Facebook, television, uh, whatever you want. But let's plead on behalf of Keith for God to heal all that's ailing him. He's got all kinds of physical ailments. He's got all kinds of emotional ailments, um, spiritual for sure. Um, so I'm going to be sermon prepping, not eating, and relying on God. And I'm also going to be fasting because the Ukrainian, man, right? There's plenty of stuff to fast on. And we as a community, every once in a while, Jesus just assumes we're going to do it. He says, when you fast, do this. And look it up if you want to find out what the specifics are. Um, any other announcements? I'm just right here, Moya. I'm right in your grill. Hey, what's up? Any, do I have any other announcements, anybody? Friday? Friday, Lenten nights. We're still doing it. We're doing it with Casa de la Fuera. Um, by the end of it, hopefully I can say that name, Casa de la Fuera. Uh, but I had the realization what we're doing on Friday nights is important. It's really important. Especially according, because we're studying Galatians there too. And you'll see that this book is all about unity. It's not about denominations. It's not about things that divide us. It's about we're all children of Abraham through Jesus the Christ. Um, So come on out. We're actually this Thursday, we're going to be, because... This Friday, yeah, Friday Lenten nights. It's in the name. Okay, Friday at 6, we eat a meal, and we do it with Casa de la members, members, and then we worship together in Spanish and in English, and then we study scripture in Spanish and in English. And this week, it's going to be, since it's close to St. Patrick's Day, and I don't really like uh, corned beef, it's going to be potato bar with my wife's pastrami. What? Anyway, that's going to bring me there. Uh, I think that's it. Let's stand for this, this morning's order of worship. Or not call to worship. That's what it's called. And this, this morning's call to worship comes from Psalm 27. And I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. Yahweh is my revelation light and the source of my salvation. I fear no one. I'll never turn back and run for you, Yahweh. Surround me and protect me. Let's worship the Lord singing, Morning Has Broken.
morning. At this time, I like to invite all the children and youth up for today's message. Good morning. Good. Electric lights. So common today, right? We never even give them a thought. If we were changing a light bulb and dropped one and broke it, we wouldn't even worry about it. We would just go and get another one. But that hasn't always been true. When Thomas Edison was struggling to perfect the light bulb, it took his team of workers 24 hours to put together just one light bulb. When the team was finished with one light bulb, Edison gave it to a young boy to carry upstairs. Step by step, the boy carefully climbed the stairs, afraid that he might drop this priceless piece of work. Now you can probably guess what happened. The poor boy dropped the bulb at the top of the stairs. It took the team 24 hours to produce another bulb. Finally, tired and ready for a break, Edison was ready to have the bulb carried upstairs. He gave it to the same young boy who had dropped the first one. Mr. Edison gave that boy a second chance. Now that's true forgiveness, isn't it? In our children's message today, Jesus teaches us about God's forgiveness. Jesus tells a story about a man who had a fig tree in his vineyard. He went to the vineyard expecting to find some figs on his tree, but there were none. He said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years I have been coming expecting to find figs on this tree, and I haven't found any. Cut it down. It's just taking up space. Leave it alone for one more year, the keeper of the vineyard begged. I will dig around it and put fertilizer on it. If it has fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. So in this story, the owner of the vineyard is God, the keeper of the vineyard is Jesus, and the tree represents us, God's children. God has every reason to expect his children to produce good fruit. What kind of fruit? Things like love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, and kindness. Sometimes we don't produce that kind of fruit, but we have a loving and forgiving God. Just as the owner of the vineyard gave the fig tree a second chance, God gives us a second chance too, and it's important for us to know that we don't have to do it alone. The keeper of the vineyard helped the tree by working the soil and adding fertilizer. When we allow Jesus to work in our lives, he will help us to produce the kind of fruit that God expects. Aren't you glad that we have a loving and forgiving God who gives us second chances? Pray with me. Dear Father, we are thankful that even though we don't always produce the kind of fruit that you desire, you give us a second chance. Help us to allow Jesus to work in our lives so that we will produce the kind of fruit that you want from us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And at this time, all children and youth are dismissed. This is proof of God's great love that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Are you thirsty for grace? Are you hungry for mercy? God is calling. Come to the waters. Trusting in God's grace, let us confess our sin. O Lord our God, you call us to proclaim the gospel but we remain silent in the presence of evil. You call us to be reconciled to you and one another, but we are content to live in separation. 
You call us to seek the good of all, but we fail to resist the powers of oppression. You call us to fight pretensions and injustice, but we sit idly by, endangering the lives of people far and near. Forgive us, O Lord. Reconcile us to you by the power of your Spirit, and give us the courage and strength to be reconciled to others through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior. Amen. Listen so that you may live. The steadfast love of the Lord never fails. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God.
Man, I never get tired of that. I could have that all day. Man, lead us. Lead us, Lord. Yeah, we're, um, we're studying Galatians. This is our second week in it. And Paul wrote this letter to Galatia, the church in Galatia. Um, it's one of his first letters he wrote. And it's probably the least studied by me. Um, but that's, it, the more I read it, the more I study it, the more I like it. Do you have one of those movies that you wish you could see it again for the first time? No? Okay, yeah, I do too. The Matrix with somebody else's. Anybody? Gone with the Wind, some of you? Sound of Music, right? I remember the first time I saw that with my mom. Say that again? The Usual Suspects. Kaiser Soze. That's surprising, Susan. You go, <laughs> do you know she's fluent in Spanish, too? Man, there's so much that surprises me about Susan White. All right. That's what I'm feeling as I'm studying this Galatians. I'm like, I'm, I'm learning this stuff for the first time, but it's, I'm really glad it's the first time. And I'm really glad that these are huge truths. And this is a big section that not only I've missed, but I think the church has missed, capital C. Um, let's get to the text before I go on, for, you know, suck up our extra hour or whatever. Here we go. We're in Galatians chapter 2, and I'm going to start in verse 1 and end in verse 14. Let me make sure I haven't said anything and not missed anything. Oh, just a heads up, this section gets a little heated. We see a little spice behind Paul. He's got a little bit of anger, and you'll see. You'll see why. Okay. Galatians 2, starting in verse 1. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up in response to a revelation. Then I laid before them, though only in a private meeting with the acknowledged leaders, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles, in order to make sure that I was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not compelled to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. But because of false believers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus, so that they might enslave us. We did not submit to them, even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might always remain with you. And from those who were supposed to be acknowledged leaders, what they actually were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those leaders contributed nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel for the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel for the circumcised, for he worked through Peter, making him an apostle to the circumcised, also worked through me in sending me to the Gentiles. 
And when James and Cephas and John, who were acknowledged pillars, recognized the grace that had been given to me, they gave to Barnabas and gave me the right hand of the fellowship, agreeing that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. They asked only one thing, that we remember the poor, which was actually what I was eager to do. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood self-condemned. For until certain people came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But after they came, he drew back and kept himself separate for fear of the circumcision faction. And the other Jews joined him in this hypocrisy, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not acting consistently with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you compel the Gentiles to live like Jews? This is the word of the Lord. Whoo! Right? Okay. Um, first, first five verses. He, he returns to the story of when he went back to Jerusalem. And he's referring to uh, Acts. And he, um, he lays down this, 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 um, this phrase. Also, this is right out of the gate. He's not finishing his sentences. This is where I identify with Paul, right? Have you been to one of my sermons? <laughs> a lot of times when I get going, I miss huge things. And Malia says, oh, you didn't say that. After Anyway, he gets so riled up that he's, he's, he's speaking quickly, he's writing quickly, and he's got some intense passion. That means something underneath is, is really important. And he, 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 he starts to, to mention it in um, when he says, um, I was giving them the truth of the gospel. I was giving them the truth of the gospel. And T. Wright writes, the truth of the gospel is a new reality accomplished in the Messiah's death and resurrection. There's a new reality that is underlying Paul's anger. And it's going to come out more and more. And then we get to verses, um, let me read this. This is not, then, simply one implication of the gospel. He's talking about, the, this commentary, it's N.T. right again. He's talking about um, Paul's bringing up that these people that have slipped in the, the side, he calls them false believers. And these false believers are spying. They slipped in there, they're spying and it says they're trying to pull people back to Egypt, to slavery. 
to rules and regulations. This is not then simply one implication of the gospel, an ethical sociological corollary of a different and more central message, something secondary that could be worked out at leisure on another occasion and over which continuing disagreement could be permitted. permitted. It is at the heart of the gospel itself. Malia is flinching, going like that. Those are a lot of huge words. What I'm trying to get at at that quote is N.T. is pointing out what is underlying Paul's anger and passion is this is an absolutely crucial point. This is one, this is hand in hand with the gospel. This is hand in hand. This isn't just some side note. This is, this is the core. We're talking about a ground of meaning truth that comes with the gospel of Jesus the Christ. Is that clearer? Yeah? Okay. Malia says yes. I, I'm going to assume everybody else is in agreement with Malia. Is everybody awake yet? Okay, good. It is still an hour. I'm still catching up. I'm, I'll be honest. Okay. We're going six through, uh, six through ten now. And then he says, okay, I'm back there, and I see Peter, and I see all the pillars, and there's, there's kind of a dig, because what do you think of when, when you think pillars? As a first century Jew, trying to jump into a first century Jew, they think of the, the temple, they think of, there's these pillars, and they have this, Paul is, is pointing out, you guys are still seeing it incorrectly. Jesus changed the whole game. You're seeing it like there's this inner court that only Jews can be in, this holy of holies. And then there's this outer court that the Gentiles are stuck out there. And you're seeing me as I come up and I say, hey, you're a pillar. What, what do you think? Should I minister with the Jews and, or, and the Gentiles? And you said yes. And you acknowledged when I was with you, Peter, I remember you saying this, the same power. And the word there for power is energy. Energias. Energy, the same energy that flowed through you, Peter, that ministered to the Jews is the same energy. It's called the Holy Spirit, and it's ministering to the Gentiles through me. And he's getting angry because this is at the heart of the gospel, and it's at the heart of his identity. You start calling people back to becoming a Jewish person after Jesus the Christ has already done what he's done. You're making all kinds of mistakes and you're making all kinds of claims. But one of them is you're stepping on me as an apostle, Paul. And then right at the end of 10, he just says, um, one thing you do have right is you, you told me, make sure you you work with the needy people. And he said, absolutely. Working with needy people is in the DNA of us. Right? Okay. Now gets the crazy. <laughs> it's even, it's, that's crazy to say because I've been crazy so far. Is everybody okay? He turns the corner and 
it goes from bad to worse. <laughs> he says, Peter, you're doubly wrong. You're doubly wrong because one, you're straying away from the gospel truth, the gospel path. You're doubly wrong because the second way you're wrong is you're going back. You're going back. And in doing so, you're denying what Jesus did on the cross for all of us. Jew and Gentile. Later in the letter, he says, man, woman, Greek, it doesn't matter. The gospel message wasn't simply offering, this is NT again, this gospel message wasn't simply offering a new way of being religious or a new way of getting to heaven. It was declaring that something had happened as a result of which the world was now a different place. New creation had arrived. Anyone could become a part of it. Anyone could become a part of it from any background, from any culture. Those who didn't did constituted a new family, a new kind of family. The ultimate children of Abraham, the Messiah's people. I do this over and over. For all the new people, you're going to be pretty impressed, but everybody here is like, stop doing this. How many people are in this room? Steve's seen me probably more than everyone else. One. We are a Messiah people. N.T. Wright says these four verses, these last ones, are at the heart of this letter. And ultimately, they're at the heart of what it means to call Jesus your King and your Lord. I say there's one people in here because we are that new Messiah people. We are that ultimate children of Abraham. And the conversely, listen to this. If the Messiah has come, you can expect everything to be different. Conversely, if nothing is different, you are denying that the Messiah has come. You know what it makes me think of? There's 800 different types of Baptists. Did you know that? And we're no more like Presbyterian. There's probably like 600. I don't know.
Why is Paul so mad? He would be furious if he was in this room. He'd be furious that there's a Baptist church right down right here. There's another church over there. There's 53 churches in Costa Mesa. 53 Christian churches. We are, conversely, we, we are conversely denying that Jesus is our king with all this division. Well, it's like this. Where do you go from here, Jay? <laughs> I think we just sit in that for a second. Because I, like I said earlier, this is a new letter to me. And I've always been told that this is, because the reformers took this and split us off from Catholics, right? So we always think this is our, our, our like, our Magna Carta, I don't know, it's our declaration. We get it. We're the ones that get it. We're the ones that had the heart of the gospel. We're the ones, but at the heart of this gospel is unity. And part and parcel, this is one of the, the pillars of, of, of division. Paul's words to call us to unite ended up being a very big dividing line. I think that probably breaks his heart. It probably breaks my heart. I don't, I'm wrestling with this right in front of you because this is, this is essential stuff. That's the title of the sermon. Let's discuss this. I think it's really important that we get in rooms like this and we talk about difficult things and deeper issues. And Paul is bringing this one up and he's bringing it up to his buddy, Peter. And he's calling him out and he says, "Um, you're missing it. You're missing the gospel truth and you acted one way with me and then you went back. The word hypocrite, I'll give you a little, man, one week I forget my cough drop. I can't even, (laughs) I guess I'll drink water. Let's see what happens. Um, Hypocrite. It's actually an acting term. Because Greek theater, thank you, my wife, she saves my life every every time. Round of applause, my wife. Malia. They had masks on sticks. And you would hypocrite. You would, you would pick up one of these masks on sticks and you would put this mask in front of you and that symbol was in, in theater, like you're in a Greek theater, I would have a mask of maybe a, a girl with long hair. And I was, I was Rebecca. You know, I'd hold this thing up and it was a mask. It was false. It was a false self. And Paul is, Paul is saying, Peter and Barnabas, Barnabas, you were my wingman, dude. You were my right-hand man. We went on the mission journeys. You got this gospel. I don't want to reteach you this. 
You were with me, and you were face-to-face, real. And you said, I get it, I get it, I get it. And then you're backtracking, you put up this mask, and you say, no, you have to become a Jew. I think if, if Paul he knocks down the mask, metaphorically, just takes it off his face, and he says, seriously, Peter, you're telling me you act like a Christian, and you're telling this Gentile, in order to be God's people, you have to pick up a mask and pretend like you're a Jew before you can become a person of God's new Messiah people? How stupid are you? How angry is that guy, right? It's just coming out. How do you apply this? What are some applications? I got a couple. That's why I'm up here. One of us, let's talk about things. You raise your hand. Preach, sister, right? She's actually applying it. That's awesome. That's very non Presbyterian of you, but very beautiful. She said, I believe we're all Messiah people. I'll, I'll rephrase it. I believe we're all Christians. I believe that Catholics are Christians. I believe, and I honestly think that's a huge part of the call that this letter is talking about. If you put it in today's, I think the application is draw together. Get over your little differences. Put aside what you think for the sake of the importance that the new people, because us being divided screams to the world, these guys don't get along. These people don't get along. How could they believe in the same thing? They're in these different buildings and saying all these different things about different things. We need to put the main thing on the main thing pedestal. And be the people of God. And you call people out when they're sneaky, sneaky. He doesn't say much about these false Christians. What? That's gnarly. To be calling somebody a false Christian? But what are the marks of a false Christian? They're trying to pull you back into slavery. What does that mean? In this world... Yes. To religious stuff? Yes. Trying to convince you that you aren't a kingdom person? Yes. I'm trying to lock eyes with every single person here. It's hard with the sleepers, but... (laughs) Your king is Jesus. My king is Jesus. Your king is Jesus. My king is Jesus. We're under the umbrella of Father Abraham. It's us. It's one people. That's good news, right? I, there's so much trials and tribulations right now. Another a really loud application is you are not alone. 
I'm in your corner. Chuck's in your corner. Helen's in your corner. Cornell's in your corner. The whole choir, they're in your corner, right? And vice versa. What's another application? I think I got one more. You don't need masks or makeup in the kingdom of God. Can a woman with a lot of makeup on say amen? <laughs> right? Amen. We don't have to. I, John Huffman would always say, you don't have to be varsity every day. You don't have to come every day with your A game. James Taylor used to have a song. Jesus, or he still has a song. Jesus is for losers. And the way he's true, we're losers in the sense of we've lost a lot. And we don't have to be on our top of our game covered in makeup looking all great. Masks can be dropped here. And thank God for that. I just want to pause and praise God because sometimes in this room, this happens. We cannot talk about the weather. We can drop it and say, my son has strayed very far from the Lord and I'm really scared today. Or we could say, I just lost my partner of 57 years. I don't know if I can wake up tomorrow. Or we can say, I just got diagnosed with cancer. I don't know why this is happening to me. This is the most real place there is. Because we are each other's people. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, precious Lord Jesus, powerful spirit. I pray that you would unite us. Unite us with our brothers and sisters of different denominations, socioeconomic classes, all kinds of things. I pray that you would bring down racial divides, that we, our eyes would be open to the truth, that through your death, resurrection, and your Holy Spirit living through each and every one of us, we are part of a new reality where we don't have to wear masks and be fake. We can be ourselves and unite with brothers and sisters globally being themselves because you are our king. May it be so. Amen.
God continues to give and give and give. And it's through the stewardship and the fidelity of this local outpost of God's kingdom. And I'm grateful to serve as your pastor. And I'm here yet again to praise God for each and every one of you and the way that you give your lives, your time, and your resources at this place and through these people. Um, so this, this, this is the time where we continue to worship God and we give thanks, but we also pause for a second and think about how we can give our resources just a portion of what he's given us back to him so that this local outpost can continue to love the least and the lost and continue to equip each each and every one of you as saints. So this morning's offerings and tithes are now received. be seated. Paul reminds the Romans, and he reminds us today, let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to good. Love one another with mutual affection. 
outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Will you please join me as we persevere in prayer? Holy and merciful Lord, we come before you this morning in gratitude, grateful for this day, for our health, for our loved ones, and for our faith community. Holy Spirit, rest heavy on this place of worship, that we may follow your lead and be your presence in this corner of your kingdom. Not a day goes by, Father, that we aren't heartbroken for the atrocities we see in Ukraine. The violence, the destruction, the brutality, the heinous crimes against innocent civilians. We pray in solidarity with Ukraine and the world. For those who are in suffering and in danger, we pray for your protection. For those living in fear and anxiety, we pray for your peace. For those who are mourning, we pray for your comfort. We pray that the aggressors will lay down weapons. We pray for your wisdom and compassion for those who have the power to accomplish peace. We pray for your peace, Lord, that transcends all understanding over Ukraine In Jesus' powerful name, keep us vigilant in prayer. Lord, we pray, too, for thousands on the East Coast experiencing harsh weather. Keep all in the storm's path safe and warm. Prompt neighbor to help neighbor. Thank you for all the first responders that put themselves in harm's way to protect and to serve. May you bless and protect each one. May you bless and protect each one. Here at home, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ in need of your healing touch. Father, we lift up Elizabeth Van Doren, who is now on hospice care. Be with her and comfort her until the day you call her home. We lift up Gil Keller, who is recovering from pneumonia. Heal his body to full health, we pray. We pray, too, for your healing touch on Patty Ernest and Steve Atkins, both who are experiencing pain. And we lift up Kay Deer and Keith Coslin and those we name in our hearts for a healing touch from you today. Lord, be with each one that we have prayed for out loud and in our hearts. Prod each one of us to remember our brothers and sisters in our daily prayers. And we praise too, Lord. We praise you for Jim Leahy, who reports that his heart is ticking great. Thank you, Lord. Remind us to rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, and persevere in prayer. Thank you for our pastors and our worship leaders. Bless them and keep them. 
and in the words of St. Patrick, Christ be with me, Christ within me, Christ behind me, Christ before me, Christ beside me, Christ to win me, Christ to comfort and restore me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ in quiet, Christ in danger, Christ in hearts of all that love me, Christ in mouth of friends and strangers. Gracious God, we join with believers everywhere, praying the prayer that you taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Will you please stand for our final hymn? Once again, thank you for joining us this morning. And um, as Lloyd was bringing up the offering, he slipped me my uh, favorite brand of cough drop. <laughs> that's just an illustration. We're each other's people. You're not alone. We're with you. Um, hopefully you can come back next week and we'll worship again. Uh, but let's continue in growing in God's grace and his wisdom. Receive this benediction this morning. May God's face shine upon you. May the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit guard and keep you. 
May the peace of Christ, which transcends all understanding, guard your heart and your mind today, tomorrow, and forevermore. May it be so. Amen.